Every Sunday, we gather to make much of Jesus through the preaching of God's Word, worship, and fellowship together. We would love for you to come join us. We have two services, one at 8.30 and one at 11. We hope you will grow in your affection for Jesus with today's message. Thanks for listening. As I preach my final messages as your senior pastor, there are several topics that the Lord has prompted me to speak about. And as you know, the last two weeks, we have we have talked about how much does Jesus love us? And last week, the greatness of our God. And church, I would encourage you never, ever, ever forget how much Jesus loves you. The greatest demonstration of that was at the cross and in the resurrection. And don't forget the greatness of our God. Today, I want to talk to you about the joy of the Christian. And I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Romans, the fifth chapter, Romans chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 through 11 in just a moment. What makes you happy? What fills you with joy? Would it be circumstances or people, especially family or Christ? All of those? We know as Christians that our supreme joy, the supreme joy of a Christian is found in Christ. For Jesus said in John 10.10, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. Paul, in his letter to the church in Philippi, expressed his love and appreciation for them in the first chapter by saying these things. I thank my God every time I remember you. In my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Those words of Paul to Philippi also reflect my feeling about you as the family at First Baptist Church in Belton. But we know that the basis, the foundation of that joy is not you, but it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Last Sunday, we talked about Isaiah's vision of the throne of God and the greatness of God. And we tied that together with worship. And we talked about Isaiah's vision. And as we see that someday before the throne, we will have no problem worshiping with reverence and with joy. And so today, as we think about that again, regarding the joy part, let it show, church. Let it show. Let the joy of Christ show as you worship. Now, read with me Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, and here is what Paul wrote. Therefore, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, 
Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. As we think about these verses this morning, they say to us, be joyful. We are saved through faith, not by works. We are saved by grace, not by the law. We are saved by God's power, not our own. And for clarity and for emphasis, we remember the words of Paul in Ephesians 2, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And we remember the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If that were all that we received when we gave our lives to Christ, eternal life, that would be enough. But blessed be God, there is even more than that. And so I want us to see it in these verses in Romans chapter 5 as we think about the joy of the Christian. So number one, the joy of the Christian is peace with God. The joy of the Christian is peace with God. Look again at verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Immediately, the peace of God. Immediately, the declaration is immediate. Sometimes the realization may come as a process because it is so stunning and sometimes hard for us to get our arms around it all. But we are justified. We are declared right with God, even though a sinner and our sins are forgiven, and we have peace with God. When you sinned, you declared war on God. On the cross, Jesus won the victory and declared a truce in victorious terms. No one, now we are at peace with God. Sin and Satan have totally been defeated. It is a fact, and our feelings always follow facts. Jesus is our peace. Many of you will remember the name Ethel Waters, a beautiful African-American lady with an incredible voice who became famous, quite frankly, to most of the world as one who sang at many, many, many Billy Graham Crusades, And in sharing her story, uh, Ethel Waters writes these words. As a child, I always felt lost. 
I felt like an outsider. I was born out of wedlock. I got into trouble constantly. I was really a child who was never liked or understood by my family. I never felt like I belonged to anybody. I was brought up on my own. I brought myself up. I ran wild as a little girl. I was really bad. I was the leader of a street gang and a general hellraiser. Then a Reverend Williams came to preach a revival to which I was invited. And on the last night of the revival service, I prayed to God and asked him to speak to me. And when I prayed that prayer, what I was really saying to God was, this is your last chance. Well, that night, something strange and amazing happened. Christ spoke to my heart. And on that night, I gave my life to Jesus. And from that experience, Ethel Waters wrote and sang some pretty familiar words to many of us. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows fall? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. For his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he cares for me. That is peace. That is peace with God. The joy of the Christian is peace with God. Number two, the joy of the Christian is access to God. Access to God. Look again at the first part of verse 2. He says, uh, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We are able at any moment to enter into his presence. A proper view of God on our part makes this absolutely astounding that we have access to him at any time. It points out to us the personal nature of our God. He desires an intimate relationship with you and with me. Why? That's God. That's the God we know that loves us and whom we love. He meets us where we are and takes us to the throne room where we find grace and mercy and love instead of condemnation. The blessing of being a Christian is constant access to God. Do you know any famous people? Think about it a minute. I mean, do you really know any famous people? Uh, I'm famous at 2201 North Penelope Street. I don't really know very many famous people. However, I have been in the presence of six presidents of the United States, and I've actually had the privilege of shaking hands with three of them, two of whom are still alive. So if I were to call one or both of those former presidents, I'm sure that having shaken hands with them, they would remember and they would say, oh, Andy Davis, yeah, put him through. If I were to call Jimmy Carter or George W. Bush, and those are the two who are still living, I'm confident that they would say, oh, yeah, we know him. Put him through. He's a good buddy. 
not. You know it wouldn't happen, couldn't happen. And yet, at the same time, we are overwhelmed to know that someone far greater than any president is on the throne, and we have immediate and constant access to God the Father. That is the joy of a Christian. Number three, the joy of the Christian is hope in the glory of God. Hope in the glory of God. Look at the second part of verse 2. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Hope is a certainty. It's not a wish. It's a certainty. You rejoice not in a wish, but in a reality. I am one of whom God speaks in Romans 3.23 when Paul records all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm part of the all. So are you. But because of Jesus, I, you, will one day share in the glory of God. And that is a fact. One day we will be like him for we will see him as he is, the scripture tells us. He will bring it to pass, the majesty of the glory of God. The last two weeks I've talked about the Grand Canyon, so I might as well make it three in a row. The Grand Canyon, I hope, is a place you get to see someday if you haven't already been there. It is magnificent. It is stunning. It is gorgeous. It is beautiful. But compared to the glory of God, compared to the hope of the glory of God, the Grand Canyon is nothing. And you and I, as Christians, have our hope in the glory of God. Number four, the joy of the Christian is strength of God when times are tough. The strength of God when times are tough. Look at verse 3 and 4. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. We have strength from God when times are tough. Hard times can, in Christ, work for us, not against us. How can we possibly glory in suffering, pain, and loss? We glory, we rejoice, not because things are tough, but because God leads us through the hard times and he develops our character and we are in those hard times knowing we will not be destroyed. We will be prepared for the future that God has for us. Perseverance, character, and hope. That blesses us now and increases the thrill that will one day be ours in his presence. I read recently about a church that took a mission trip to South Korea. And on that trip, there was a lawyer and, and, a, and a business executive. And they were riding a bus one afternoon, going from one place to another. And with them in the bus was a missionary who was also their guide, their host. And so as they were going down the road, they happened to see on the side of the road a boy, a little boy, hitched to a, a plow 
and pulling the plow while behind him was a man who appeared to be his father who was holding onto the handles of the plow and was guiding it. And so seeing that unusual sight, the, the lawyer took a picture of the man and his boy. And then he said to the missionary, they must be poor. And the missionary replied, yes, they are. That is the Chinu family. And when their church, they're Christians, and when their church was being constructed, they were eager to give something to it, but they didn't have any money. So they sold their only ox and gave the money to the church. And so this spring, they are pulling the plow themselves. The three men on the bus were pretty quiet for a moment, thinking about it. And then the businessman said, that must have been a real sacrifice. The missionary said, they do not call it that. They thought it was fortunate that they had an ox to sell. I'm reminded of the parable of Jesus when he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Notice carefully the words for joy. This man doesn't just sell everything he has. He does so with joy and he doesn't regret it. He doesn't complain about the sacrifice he's made. In fact, he probably doesn't even consider it to be a sacrifice. He gives a lot for the field, but he gets so much more in return. In our walk with Jesus, sacrifices will be necessary. And only a deep love for Christ will make them be joy. The real test of our commitment is not so much whether we are willing to make sacrifices for the Lord, but whether we are able to make those sacrifices with joy. And so we understand from this text that the joy of the Christian is strength when times are tough. Number five, the joy of the Christian is the love of God, the love of God. Look again at verse five, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. That love is a present tense blessing. It is a demonstrated love. See Jesus. It is a an undeserved love. See your sin. It is an expensive love. See the cross and the blood of Jesus. If he loved us while we were lost, how great is his love for us now that we are his own children. Number six, the joy of the Christian is eternal security in God. Eternal security in God. Verse nine, since we have now been justified by his blood, 
how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? This justification of which Paul writes is forever. We have been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the power of sin and we will be saved from the presence of sin. Praise God. In verse 9, he reminds us that all this is certain, not because of something we have done, but because of something Christ has done. Then last, number seven, the joy of the Christian is reconciliation with God. Reconciliation with God. Look again at verse 11. Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. I like that word. It just kind of rolls off your tongue. Reconciliation. There's no more beautiful word in all the world than reconciliation. Have you ever been reconciled? Have you seen a reconciliation or been part of it between a husband and a wife or between a child and, and parents? It is a sweet thing to see and an even sweeter thing to be part of. Sin erects a wall between you and God. And we live in a state of separation from God. Through Jesus, we are invited to come home to taste the sweet joy of reconciliation, the sweetness of fellowship with him, the joy of the Christian. I close with this story told by Denise Bardman about her days at Hannibal, Hannibal LaGrange College in Missouri, Christian school. She said, I needed more study time before my final exam in youth ministry. When I got to class, everybody was cramming. The teacher, Dr. Tom Hufty, came in and said he would review with us before the test. Most of his review came from the study guide, but some things he said I'd not heard. Dr. Hufty responded that they were in the book and we were responsible for everything in the book and we couldn't argue with that. Finally, it was time to take the test. Lead them face down on the desk until everyone has one, and I'll tell you to start, our professor instructed. When we turned them over, to my astonishment, every answer was filled in. My name was written in red ink, and the last page of the exam says, said, this is the end of the exam. All the answers on your test are correct. You receive an A. The reason you passed the test is because the creator of the test took it for you. All the work you did in preparation for this test did not help you get an A. You have just experienced grace. Dr. Hufty then went around the room and asked each student, what is your grade? Do you deserve the grade you're receiving? How much did all your studying for the exam help you achieve that grade? Then he said, some things you learn from lectures, some from research, but some things you only learn from experience. You have experienced grace. Years from now, if you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, your name will be written in a book 
and you will have had nothing to do with writing it there. That is the ultimate grace experience. And that, my friends, is the joy of the Christian. Bow with me, please, for prayer. Our Father, thank you for the joy that is in our hearts that comes from knowing you. You are so gracious and loving and kind to us and merciful, and we thank you. I pray, Father, that our lives would exude the joy that is ours in knowing Jesus. There may be someone watching today who does not yet know Jesus, and you would say, I don't, I don't know him, or I'm not sure that I know him. And if that be the case for you, wherever you may be, I ask you today, would you call out to Jesus? Will you call out to him and say, Jesus, you are Lord. I invite you into my life. Forgive my sin. It is my desire to follow you from this day forward. If that would be your prayer, let us know. There's contact information on the screen in front of you. Let us know. We'd like to share with you some things that will help you to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you pray that prayer today, understand you have entered into the joy of the Lord today. And may God bless you all. Church, thank you for your faithfulness. You are a good church in praying and supporting and encouraging. We'll look forward to next Sunday when we're gathering in this place once again for our worship together. And so today I close with our benediction from Jude that we have been pronouncing since March the 15th. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen and amen. Church, it is a great joy for me this morning to announce to you that next week we will enter into phase two of our church reengagement plan. And what that means is that next Sunday morning, September the 13th, we will resume worship right here in our worship center. And we will have our two services that we were having before uh, March the 15th. And that means at 8.30, our traditional service, and at 11 o'clock, our contemporary service. So I know your heart's filled with joy about regathering, and we wanted you to know that uh, today. So remember, 8.30 and 11 o'clock next Sunday morning right here in the Worship Center, you will be able to enter into the building in the south entrance or the north entrance or the Pearl Street entrance, any of those entrances to make your way to the Worship Center. We ask that you wear your mask, that you practice social distancing, and that you take advantage of the hand sanitizers that are all over the place. And uh, we want you to know that once in the worship center, you will see that we'll be seated on every other row. And if you are seated on a row with another family, we ask that there be at least six feet of dis distance between your family and the other family. The balcony will be open, so you are free to sit on the lower floor or in the balcony area. We will have worship only. We will not yet have child care. We'll not yet have Sunday school but we will be worshiping it at 8.30, and then after the 8.30 service, we'll completely sanitize the worship center to be ready for our 11 o'clock service. Now, for those of you 
who are not yet ready to come back or are unable to come, we want you to know that we're going to continue to broadcast our services uh, next Sunday at 8.30. So if you need to stay at home, please do so. We don't want you to return until you feel comfortable returning. But uh, just know that the service will be on once again at 8.30 next Sunday. So that's our happy announcement to share with you today. God bless you all. I look forward to seeing most of you, I hope, right here in this place, either 8.30 or 11 o'clock, September the 13th. God bless you all. As a community, First Baptist Belton exists for the purpose of knowing Jesus intimately, serving Jesus passionately, and sharing Jesus globally. Come join us on Sunday for our traditional worship service at 8.30 or our contemporary service at 11. We hope today's message encourages and strengthens your faith in God.